What's up, y'all? I am Chris Charles, and this is Straight Chubb, the fantasy football podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Headliners. Welcome back to the show. I am joined once again by my man, Jake Huffman. What's going on, buddy? Man, it's another week, and hey, we actually have some things to talk about this week. Ooh. And there's some big news. I mean, it's not just an off, you know, an off week where we're trying to figure out what we're talking about. We actually got some, some football news to discuss. We got some big news to discuss, but first, before we get started, we are right. celebrating today because this is number 50, episode Ooh. five zero. Fitty. Thank you Fitty. for all the listeners. Fitty. It's, it's not Fitty. It's Fitty. That's right. You know We're going to celebrate in a proper way. So let's That's right. That's what we do for 50. That's right. Partying for 50. Partying. And Jake's, Here's a quick 50. Man, Jake, Seems like a quick was, 50. It was a quick 50, man. And Jake's all doing his dance over there, man. You guys I missed did. out. No, I, I recorded it on video. I may oh. post it. I may not. It depends. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. But we'll dive right in, man, because we got a big item to discuss today. And I know everybody already knows it, so it's okay. But we'll discuss it because that's what we do. Julio Jones, man. This kind of hurt my feelings because, you know me, I'm a huge Julio backer. I am of the opinion he should have remained in Atlanta, and he does not. I'll break the trade down for you guys. I'm sure you already know, but just for argument's sake, the Falcons get a 2022 second rounder and a 2023 fourth rounder, and the Titans get Mr. Julio Jones and a sixth rounder in 2023. The caveat here, the Titans take on $15.3 million of the rest of his deal. The Falcons eat $7.75 in dead money. I mean, preach on it, man. What are you, what are you thinking about this deal? Yeah, I, you have to look at it from two different perspectives. From a fantasy football perspective, I don't know if I love it. Uh, I don't hate it, but I don't know if I love it. NFL perspective-wise, it, it makes total sense, and I love it for the Titans because we already knew that they'd lost Corey Davis. They'd lost Jonu Smith. They brought in Josh Reynolds, but let's be realistic. Like that wasn't going to strike the fear into opponents every single week. Mm -hmm. Julio Jones and AJ Brown, though, that's going to be an issue for the NFL. Like that's going to be a legit issue. So the Titans made a great move. I would have, I would have signed off on that in a heartbeat. I'm surprised more teams uh, didn't go after Julio with the compensation that they got for him. But fantasy football wise, I'm just kind of torn, right? We, we wanted Julio to go somewhere if it wasn't going to be Atlanta where he was going to demand a high target share. Mm -hmm. He still could get that high target share, but now he's got another alpha on the other side with A.J. Brown. Now, we've seen multiple times in history with multiple wide receivers going over 1,000 yards. I think 1,000 yards for each of these guys is very doable. I just think that the ceilings are brought down for each of them. I don't know if we go out and we see a guy get 15, 16, 17, 1,800 yards like we may have, we may have been able to if they were like the guy. Mm -hmm. Now, they're both there. It wouldn't surprise me if they're both right around 1,200 yards, a handful of touchdowns, some big plays. Ryan Tannehill, I think, gets a huge boost now. I mean, he's got two studs to throw to. And everybody wants to hop off the Anthony Fersker bandwagon. Mm. I may limit my expectations slightly because of the addition of Julio Jones, but who the hell is going to cover this guy in the middle of the field? Like nobody. So he may not get huge yardage, but he'd be a great red zone guy and a guy that could rack up a few receptions here and there. So still somebody I'm keeping my eye on, just maybe not uh, as much of a sleeper as he would have been, you know, a few weeks ago. Yeah, I'm, I'm so struggling with this deal. Even today, I've had a lot of time to dissect and, and review numbers. And I mean, I, I'm, I really, truly am torn. I mean, we discussed the A.J. Brown value, right? We did last, last show saying, you know, he's right now ADP top five commodity. And we, me and you were both of the same opinion that that price tag was a little too rich. And, and I mean, even now we look at Julio and, and yeah, the days of the 1600 yards. I mean, the, the, the funny thing was is that he said he wanted to go to play with a, a strong arm quarterback. Tannehill isn't really that guy. I mean, okay. He can get the ball down the field. I like Tannehill. I've been a, a somewhat supportive of his game in the past, but I mean, now you're talking about what is the, uh, the schematics of this offense going to look like? Are you going to be more balanced or are you still going to be the run heavy club with Henry? And then you're taking your shots off the play action, because if that is the case, and we've seen this with Henry and I'm, I'm no Henry hater, 
but Henry does, he needs volume. Uh, first quarter, you know, he starts typically slow unless he breaks a big one. And then where he does his damage is in the fourth quarter always because the defenses are shot. So I, it's, it's a very tough dynamic, but if they do it correctly, then yeah, you could feed them both off the play action. You, you, you know, there's going to be limited double coverage on both these guys. So at least one of them is going to be a quote unquote open, but they're open all the time, no matter what you say. But I mean, man, are we talking really both of these guys are going to be 1,000 yard receivers in in 2021? I don't know. As long as they're healthy, yes. I mean, I think if if they both can play 14 plus games, they're over 1,000 yards. And after this move, I mean, you talk about breaking off a big one. I mean, talk about a big one. That's what I get when I think about Derrick Henry. Um, Break off a big one. I I even moved him up in my rankings. He's now number two. I moved him above Dalvin Cook because here's the thing. In the first round – and this is a huge argument we get on YouTube all the time is risk versus, you know, safety in the first round. You can take all the risk you want to. I want my, my first round pick to be safe. I want it to be something that I don't have to worry about on a weekly basis. That is Derrick Henry. Mm. They don't have Derrick Henry. They don't have that entire offense, which they've found success with the past few years. It's not like they've sucked forever. You know, I mean, they, this has worked for them. And now all of a sudden, what are defenses going to do? They can't stack the box because you got these guys on the outside. If you do stack the box, they're going to absolutely annihilate you with single coverage. And they don't need that big play down the field. We've seen Julio do it for years. We've seen A.J. Brown do it. You know, a 15-yard slant, something like that, they can take it the distance. They have Mm -hmm. the speed to do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Derrick Henry, for the first time in his career, may see the lightest fronts he's ever seen. We saw this guy rush for 2,000 yards with Corey Davis and A.J. Brown. What is this guy going to do with Julio Jones, uh, with A.J. Brown, and an extra game this Mm -hmm. year? I mean, we're talking like once you get down the stretch, and as long as they're in contention, which they should be with this offense, and and the defense is is iffy, but it's not horrible, you're going to see a lot of Henry down the stretch. And we've seen it every single year. As the season progresses, the guy gets better. It's like he, he doesn't fall off. He doesn't slack off. He literally gets better as the season goes on. I, I love Derrick Henry, and I will not pass him in any single draft that I have this year. If I'm on the clock and Derrick Henry is sitting there, unless I'm number one, uh, I'm taking Derrick Henry every single time. Yeah, and the argument for Henry is – Okay, I've been I've been up and down. You know, I even questioned it. I played devil's advocate saying, you know, is Carrie's going to factor into this man? Is he going to start breaking down? Okay, I'm throwing all that away because that's in the past, man. We're not going to discuss things that don't matter from the past. We are of today. And, and I agree wholeheartedly because he will not face any pressure coming to him. Good luck in trying to scheme up anything where you're doubling up on that line. It won't happen. And because and, they're just going to kill you going deep and, and teams are going to say the Bill Belichick way. This is what I'm thinking. My gold standard. He's going to say, I'm going to take away everything except for one item. And if that one item can beat me, then it beats me. That's Bill Belichick's uh, philosophy when he goes up against really uh, balanced and talented rosters. The Tennessee Titans are very interesting to me because now they have the the stigma of being balanced. They they have the opportunity to do whatever the hell they want, to run heavy if they want 35 times. They have the ability to go play action, and now they have the ability to go over the middle and go deep and be successful. So for me, Henry's a no-brainer anymore. I mean, now with Julio on the club, he could literally see 20 touchdowns this year. I I really could see it. His yardage may not be as big. I mean, yes, an extra game, but I'm, I'm even okay with suggesting 1500 1600 yards and i wouldn't even be surprised if we see 20 freaking touchdowns from henry yep and think about it we're talking about you just started off by talking about less touches right How, does he lose touches now in this offense if he does we're still okay with that look at his 2019 numbers he had 75 less carries in 2019 that's like what five carries less per game mm-hmm. okay he loses five carries a game he's still touching the ball over 300 times and now the quality of the touches that he's getting skyrockets because the boxes aren't stacked. So I don't even care if this guy maybe even approaches 275, 275 touches. The efficiency is going to skyrocket. And we're talking about a guy who was already getting over five yards a carry. If he can improve on that at all, uh, I'm perfectly fine with putting up, you know, what, 1,700 yards or so combined total yards. That is perfect. That's fine. If you go into the season expecting 2,000 yards, that's on you. You shouldn't overvalue people in the first round. The guy went out and had a ridiculous 2020. 
Don't expect it in 2021. Be pleasantly surprised when you get those 1,700 yards afterwards. The guy's going to be an absolute beast to stop. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Red zone, I, I looked at this this team system-wise as well, and I looked just from the red zone opportunities. And and when you actually see the firepower, and you you bring up Frisker, and, or Frisker, and, and I mean, I was on board too as him uh, being one of my tight end sleepers. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying he's definitely dropped down my list, but I mean, if, if I, if I'm in desperate need and first is on that waiver wire, I don't hate that if fill in play whatsoever, depending on matchup, because like you said, okay, he's not going to give you like the eight catches, seven catches. It'll probably look like three, four catches, you know, 25 to 45 yards, but he has touchdown upside. And for a tight end group or a tight end position in fantasy football, that is really difficult to trust because they don't just put up the, the numbers. I mean, I, this offense is very dynamic and Julio definitely changes everything, but does it go to play and put them in a situation where they are Super Bowl contenders? This was another co- issue that I was talking with a buddy of mine and, and he said, no, I said, you know, it does. I think, it, I think it puts them definitely in a Super Bowl contention. A hundred percent. I think, I mean, I think the defense needs to, to, overproduce some of the expectations that people may have right now. I don't think it's bad by any means, but I think that may be something that gets them into trouble. But the great part about that is now they're going to have the offense to combat that. So even if their defense can't hold those scores low, they're going to have that ability to go up there and put up 30 points a week. You know what I mean? And that's, that's huge. I mean, you're talking about goal line stats for, for Derrick Henry. Think of it this way, and this is ridiculous. Maybe I play too much Madden. I don't know, but I'm on the goal line, right? If you're on the goal line, you know Derrick Henry's behind you. If I know that, the opposite, the opposing team knows that. But then you also have, because if you're going to stack the box to try to stop Henry up the middle, now you have the one-on-one coverage with Julio and AJ Brown on the outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, the biggest knock on Julio has always been the lack of touchdowns. Could this be the year that Julio explodes in the touchdown, you know, area because so many people are focused on Derrick Henry inside the five that Julio just absolutely feasts because what did teams have to worry about with Julio in Atlanta? Inside the five, they weren't too overly worried about anybody else, and he was getting all the attention, and it resulted in very few touchdowns. That could be a huge difference. I mean, I think the offense you know, outweighs some of the, the shortcomings on defense. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, they're, they're going to be more explosive with Julio, no question. I mean, if you need to pick up those chunk yards, okay, even if you don't believe Antonio Br- or A.J. Brown, excuse me, was was uh, not a chunk yard getter at most opportunities, even with his 110 or, one set, or 110 or 107 target share, I mean, still, you got Julio, man. Julio is the ultimate piece when it comes to getting those chunk yards when you need a massive play. He will out-jump everybody on the field and get that ball. I mean, this offense in Tennessee definitely got a massive uptick. I don't hate their defense whatsoever. I think they can they can hang with most teams. Yeah. I mean, okay, the Patrick Mahomes of the, of the AFC, maybe not, but I mean, that's when you know your offense is going to have to control the game, and that's where Henry comes into play as well. So, I, I mean, it's crazy. But let's flip here's, this. Go ahead. Real yes, quick, though. Here's a quick yeah, yeah. thing for you because it involves the Buffalo Bills. So I'm oh, going gonna, I'm gonna to include it for you. I don't like it. Would you? It's okay. It's a good thing. Okay, Would you me. consider the Buffalo Bills to have a, a good offense? Absolutely. One of the best in the NFL, right? Correct. Do you know off the top of your head where they finished in the NFL in total offense, total yards? Oh, that's got to be top five. Second overall. Okay. Yep. You want to know who was tied with them for third? Tennessee the Tennessee Titans, mm-hmm. and now they've added Julio Jones. Mm-hmm. So it's not like this is some boring pound-the-rock offense anyway. They're going to move the ball. Uh, it's a top-five offense in the NFL, and they added Julio Jones. That's a great point. See, and that's Boing. even – and that's yeah, exactly, and that's even with Corey Davis. So, mm-hmm. so when we talk about how successful Corey Davis was in this offense last season because of the maturation process of A.J. Brown – now it's like, you know, okay, you had, I don't, I don't want to offend anybody. I need an analogy. That's not going to offend anybody, but you're, you're having a <laughs> lesser, hu- a lesser, exactly. You're, <laughs> you have a lesser human being to an elite stature human being. I guess that's the best way I can put it. I mean, this is what you got. I mean, you had average. Okay. You had a, you had a Honda civic versus a, a Ferrari. Let's just say yep. it like that. That can't offend nobody. Right. Uh, somebody somewhere will be offended, but it God doesn't matter. Damn it. <laughs> you can't say I'm nothing. Tr- I'm trying, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Okay. Well, let's flip to these Atlanta Falcons because I am okay. I, I don't like the Atlanta Falcons like my Buffalo Bills, but I am a kind of a closet fan. I, I like them a lot. I've always followed them, and it was because mo- mostly because of Julio. Deion Sanders and Julio Jones, they kind of made me made me like the Atlanta Falcons. Mm-hmm. 
Now, what do we think about these Falcons? Because it's very interesting. Remember when we had the live stream and we're talking about the draft and they draft Kyle Pitts. And, and remember, I, I don't know who said it. Maybe it was me, maybe someone else. But we're, we're talking saying, did they draft Kyle Pitts so that they can justify trading Julio Jones? Because really, stature wise, it's almost like the same player. So now what you lose in Julio, you're hoping to regain with Kyle Pitts in the red zone or whatever. But this big body type of wide receiver who has athletic ability, who has wheels, how, how is this offense in Atlanta now shaking out in your mind? It's going to be iffy, I think. I mean, I'm still not 100% on board with Mike Davis. I'm a little bit more on board right now. I have a hard time trusting Mike Davis. I know we've talked about him in the past. Calvin Ridley is going to get 394,000 targets in this offense. He has done nothing but produce when Julio is not on the field. No reason to think that that does not continue. And I understand that the comparisons are there for Pitts and Julio, but the difference in my opinion is once the ball is in the hand of the player, that's when it's different for me. Pitts can come down and make that 50-50 catch, make some great catches. But after the ball's in his hands, him and do, him and Julio are two different people. Julio can take it 90 and pull away from people. I don't see Pitts doing that on a weekly basis. Yeah. So that's where I think it's a little bit different. They still may have those chunk plays, but they're not going to have the touchdown upside maybe that they would have had with Julio Jones anyway. I expect them to have to throw the ball a lot. We're probably going to see a lot more Russell Gage, some Olamide Zacchaeus out of the slot possibly. Ooh, you um, got his name right. Good job. I did, dude. I, I've, I've practiced over the years with well Olamide Zacchaeus. Um, <laughs> let's see. What about – okay, so then you have Hayden Hurst also. Mm. Uh, do they just forget about him? Personally, I don't think so. If it's me, there's going to be formations out there where Hurst well, – there may be some double tight ends, but I'll have Hurst at tight end. I'll put Pitts outside with Ridley and let a Russell Gage or Zacchaeus eat in the slot at times. I think that they have that opportunity. I'm not taking anything away from Hurst. I still think that he is – highly, highly underrated in the NFL. And I can't imagine them just pushing him aside. I think they have to lose a Julio Jones. They have to build more. They need to distribute more. Uh, do they do that? I don't know, man. I think that they just had this aura over the past few years of force feeding a guy, which has been Julio. Now they're just going to take their attention. They're going to force feed Ridley. And I don't know if much changes. Uh, if they were in a different division, I would like it more. But honestly, I I wouldn't be surprised if they finished last in the division once again. Ooh, and you know where this, you know, this reeks of me of is when uh, Calvin Johnson retired. Mm -hmm. So the Detroit Lions had a wide receiver core that was very abundant with talent. Calvin retires and everyone said, that's it for the Lions. That's it for Matthew Stafford. I said, whoa, wait a second, pump those brakes, because now you're going to have the ability to distribute the ball evenly amongst mm -hmm. your wide receiver room and your tight ends, whatever. And that's what they did. Marvin Jones, Golden Tate. Like you had mm -hmm. a plethora of talent that you could now focus on saying nobody is the key guy. I'm a Calvin Ridley fan, always have been. I'm a Kyle Pitts fan. I, I mean, his, his, his stock is definitely growing in my mind. Oh, yeah. But I mean, with no running game, you do have guys like Russell Gage who showed that he could produce. Is he of top quality? We don't really know yet. I mean, he's showing that he can at least be on the field and be reliable PPR wise, yardage wise in the red zone. We've seen it from Gage. Now you got the Zacchaeus. I'm not even going to attempt his first name. Well done. <laughs> but, I, but, but I mean, you have weapons. You got this. Uh, I can't remember his name. There's like a fourth wide out there. And then they drafted this Darby kid. They have talent at the wide receiver position in Atlanta. So when, when you say, why did Atlanta trade away one of the superstars in this league still, even at 32 years old, it's because now they're going trial by fire. It's no longer just one guy, AKA how the lions did with Calvin Johnson. This is the exact same situation. The only issue I have that fears me half to death is Matt Ryan. Historically in the first year of a new offensive system, he does not do well. And that terrifies me to my core. Yeah, because what happens when he's in those new systems? He forces things to one guy. Mm. And that's where all of a sudden, and I still think that Matt Ryan is a, a a quarterback that really produces based off of like, you know, consistency, right? I think if he's one of those guys that struggles and he's throwing interceptions, I think his head gets in the way because when he's when he's bad, he's way bad. Mm. And when he's good, he's really good. You know, what I mean, like it's it's kind of like he's one or the other. There's no middle ground with Matt Ryan. And I'm not saying he's not a good quarterback. I still think Matt Ryan has some good years ahead of him. I'm just not, I'm not sold uh, on the, on the offense as a whole fantasy football pieces individually. I don't mind it whatsoever. Like I said, I still love Calvin Ridley. He'll be inside the top 10 
wide receivers easy. Uh, Kyle Pitts, he's easily a top 10 tight end now. Mike Davis, if you're in a PPR and they actually throw it to him, maybe he squeezes top 15. Uh, It's it's just going to be hit and miss every single week. And being that I haven't seen it yet, I can't trust it yet. And we've seen that this offense can just struggle at times. Hopefully it's different, but I can't imagine an offense getting better after losing Julio Jones. Yeah. I mean, with a defense that still has holes for days, uh, this, this Atlanta offense, man, they're going to be the Kings of garbage time. You get that feeling, right? Yeah, absolutely. Which is great for fantasy football. Sure, yeah. You know, I, I like that for fantasy football, but I mean, the division they're in, what happens if, whether it's Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston, whoever it is in New Orleans, what if they can go out there and just take the reins and really lead that offense once again mm-hmm. in New Orleans? Then you got, I mean, people want to keep laughing at Sam Darnold and the Panthers, but damn it, y'all, they're about to be surprised in Listen Carolina. Listen up, man. Listen they to the are going, They are going to be surprised. Sam Darnold's Agreed. about to set the world on fire, dude. Agreed. You're going to see something from Sam Darnold. And I'm not going to say he's going to be you know, Patrick Mahomes, but compared to what you've seen from him in New York the past couple of years, it's going to look like a completely different guy in this offense with these weapons. Hey, they're not an easy win anymore. You can't just look at that. Oh, yep, there's an easy W. It's not going to be that way in Carolina this year. Um, Tampa Bay. Do we need to talk about Tampa Bay and how great that offense and defense is? It's a tough division for them as is mm-hmm. and then you add in the new offense the new pieces a rookie tight end uh, it's just so many question marks there to me that I, i'm not buying the falcons as a whole team in the nfl here in, in, in 2021 yeah <laughs> it's, it's it's a tough sell man i mean how can you say it any other way i mean everything is 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 looking at a rebuild like this is what they're doing it's almost like here's our last gasp we got what we got for julio and and i mean let's hope for the best like you're throwing coins into a a wishing well like that do you know how many years matt ryan has left do you know three i think hang on i'm looking at on his his contract you mean yes yeah it's got to be two or three i mean they can get out i think uh next season so i mean because they were trying to shop them this off season that's what i'm saying is like you're talking about a rebuild if they start this season off and they're eight games, nine games into the season, and they're two and seven, three and six, like, mm-hmm. dude, there's an injury somewhere. Matt Ryan could be on the way out, which I get it. If you're a Falcons fan, your season is over at that point because he is by far, you know, the best quarterback you're ever going to find here in 2021. Uh, but it is. Then all of a sudden it goes total rebuild. And, and that's what worries me is with the contract being that out, they've already known about shopping him. Dude, it's just like the writing is on the wall. It is. I, it is. Yeah. But the problem with that is if it was, why build around some offensive pieces? Why draft Kyle Pitts if you're just going to rebuild? Because you ain't got nobody to throw it to him if you're going to get rid of Matt Ryan. Like that's just, it just doesn't make sense. Like if it's me, if I'm an NFL GM, which I'm not, I should be, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm building at the offensive line every oh. single time. And it's not sexy, it's not pretty. But I can't draft a franchise quarterback if I don't have a line to protect him. So if I'm going to be rebuilding at any point in the next year or so, I'm drafting offensive linemen and I'm going to start stockpiling those boys and and, and making something solid. So then in two years, I can get my franchise quarterback. They didn't do that in Atlanta, which makes me seem to think that, okay, they still think that they have a shot. If they fall behind early, we'll see how they change though. And that's a confusion to me. Even when we saw on draft day, why the hell they didn't take a quarterback fields was there. Why didn't you do it? You're telling me that you didn't covet his ability. Really? I mean, I mean, I, I can't buy that crap whatsoever. He was there for the taking. They would have, it would have absolutely uh, uh, accelerated your rebuild. And, and you could have did whatever the hell you wanted with Matt Ryan the following season. Even if he, they both were still on the roster in 2021, you can get out from under Matt Ryan next year and, and, and nothing would be be different okay Kyle Pitts I agree I never understood why you would draft him especially in the sense that you are not going to be competitive even though you believe you can be everyone wanted to put everything on on former GM uh, Thomas Dimitrov and I'm a Dimitrov guy I thought he'd made a lot of good moves excuse me but I mean he Everyone puts it on him like he didn't create this roster the way it should have been done. But now look what you're doing. New uh, uh, upper management, new coaching staff, and you're still making the same type of mistakes. So for me, I'm with you. I think it's you build in the trenches, O-line, D-line, and that's where you start your build and you build outward. That's the, Look at the Washington football team, for God's mm-hmm. sakes. They have completely dismantled their defense and rebuilt it like a, a magician, whatever you want to call it. But it's, it's unbelievable what's going on over there. Look at Cleveland. 
I mean, they're, they're fixing, you can talk about Indianapolis, the Colts. What was the whole reason that Andrew Luck retired? He couldn't get an offensive line to protect him. They went out there and they got an offensive line, and now they've started slowly building their way back. It's It just makes too much sense. And I'm not sitting here saying we're smarter than NFL GMs. I and mean, there's obviously a lot more that goes into it than what we're just talking about right here. But it it just doesn't pass the smell test to me. Like it just, it just doesn't seem right. It doesn't sound like they're rebuilding, but some of their actions make it seem like they want to rebuild. I, I don't know. And for that reason, I'm out. I get it. I get In this it. episode I mean, of the shark tank. I'm, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. I'm not doing this anymore, <laughs> but I mean, we could beat this one to death. I mean, we, now at least we understand we don't have to wait and talk about this anymore. You know, we saw AJ Brown. He tried to give Julio his number 11. You see this? I'm, I'm like respect man. And yeah. Julio turned it down. He says, no, no. He says, that's your team. That's your number. I will take number two respect to both these gentlemen, because that's how life should be. You see guys, that's the one-on-one life man matters this is this go and go and take a page out of their book man and yeah we'll, we'll all be winning and and first off i i think at the top of my list i have to put aj brown as one of my new favorite players <laughs> yeah man the way that this dude was online on twitter and stuff posting things to get julio funny memes and songs dude this dude we need to protect him at all costs he is like a national treasure yeah he's he's moving in the right direction and i'm That's a right. huge fan as well we do have other headlines to discuss, and I mean, it's not as sexy as the Julio Jones trade, but, you know, we'll, we'll do it's our close. best. It's close. <laughs> you know, you know, we'll, we'll put some meat and balls into it. You know what I'm saying? Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> I did not sign up for anything like that. You did not forewarn me. I, I did not agree. I, this is on video right now. I can't I'm, do that. You know what's funny? I'm just talking about analogies. That's all I was saying. <laughs> you said put our meat and balls somewhere, and I did not agree. <laughs> <laughs> Take your mind out of the gutter, but it's good comedy. The Ravens, man, head coach John Harbaugh, he said, and I quote, involving running backs in the passing game has been one of the main points of emphasis in OTAs thus far. And, and okay, we have been big supporters of J.K. Dobbins, and we'll start talking about J.K. a little bit here because I think the man is getting supremely disrespected this offseason. Nobody's talking about him. Nobody's believing in him. And everyone was on the on the bandwagon last year. Why? And, and now this year, it's, it's completely quiet. Why? Because of Gus Edwards and his new $10 million extension. Come on now. We're talking about Justice Hill. Like, come on. Let's, let's be real. And the emphasis on the pass game is to include J.K. Dobbins in this pass game even more. Why? Because that's an easier pass for Lamar to make. And that will increase the confidence. That will help. And he has a other wide receivers now to pull out the coverage and now jk is going to be all over the field so even if they do a split backfield even if it's let's say 65 35 i'm okay with it man because now all these touches to jk and his adp currently sits at a 305 man third round in the fifth pick like that is disrespect for this man dude i, I find myself in mock drafts getting a whole lot of ceh and jk dobbins in the second and third and i am all over that because I, I agree. Everybody's worried about Gus Edwards. Do you want to tell me what the career uh, career best is for receptions for Gus Edwards? Like two? Nine. See, I was close. Nine is there his career go. best. I'm not worried about Gus Edwards receiving passes out of the backfield. It's going to be J.K. Dobbins 110%. Uh, I think the biggest issue here with, with J.K. Dobbins is, honestly it's like a lack of knowledge and that sounds bad to say but people just don't know any better because last year jk dobbins really wasn't a thing until like the back third of the season and then people started to take notice a little bit people forgot about him leading up into the draft because of the injury at ohio state to close out his career there it just seems like he kind of just got pushed aside and people have just forgotten about jk dobbins uh arguably in my opinion probably one of the best second year backs, if not the best second year back out there when it comes to talent wise. And then you add on the fact that he's on the number one rushing team in the NFL who led the NFL in rushing last year, you know, they're going to get a crap ton of touches in that backfield. And he's not the type of guy that needs 25 touches a week. He's not Derrick Henry. Mm -hmm. He doesn't need that workload. He's like Aaron Jones. If you can get the dude 15 touches, you are super pumped because the efficiency is going to be there. The kid can find the end zone. Um, he runs strong and he's quick. It's not like you have to take him out on the goal line because he's a liability. Nah, we saw him do that last year at times. Mm -hmm. He can get to the outside with ease in the NFL. Then you add in the fact that he can catch passes too. And I think you hit it on the head perfectly when you said it's an easier pass for Lamar Jackson. Uh, I'm not here being a Lamar hater, 
But in order to make Lamar successful in the passing game, you need to put him in a position to be successful. How do you do that? A lot of short routes, quit making him go down the field deep. A guy like Rashad Bateman, a guy that can get the 50-50 ball that's going to help the completion percentage for Lamar Jackson. Uh, it's just an entire an entire scenario. It's not just one piece here or one piece there. They all fit together. And J.K. Dobbins, heck, even Gus Edwards, I feel, is being undervalued. I'll take sure. Gus Edwards in the 10th, 11th, 12th round, wherever he falls, every mm-hmm. single time. Because that is a flex player that is an RB1 upside if J.K. Dobbins were to go down. Plus, he's still going to see 10 to 15 touches a week anyway and has a safe enough floor that if I need somebody for a bye week or somebody gets hurt, I can throw him in as well and not lose a whole lot. He's kind of like Latavius Murray in that fact, too. That mm. You know he's going to get 12 touches a week or so, and in a pinch, you can throw him in there. This team just runs too much to not want the running game in, in Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. I, I love me some J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, and the value to me is just ridiculously off the charts because you're talking about a club. Okay, and, and this is the thing that, that kind of makes me laugh. Have we been – everyone wants to say – I'll backtrack. Because I have too many thoughts and now I'm starting to confuse myself. Spit them out. Spit it out, damn it. Spit it out. But here's the thing. Just because they added receiving talent to hopefully increase the passing attack, which may happen. And again, I'm not hating on Lamar either. I really am not. I I want the guy to succeed because I believe he has talent. If he truly could get his passing uh, pedigree up through the roof, this team could literally be unstoppable. But what it is about Lamar is that they're trying to make him comfortable in in ways that will make him successful, like you're saying. And I think that is the appropriate way to do it for this guy. Allow him to learn while being comfortable. Don't force the issue. Don't force the hand. And now, even though you did bring in stellar wide receiver talent, okay, you have more options. This makes you more balanced, a.k.a. all the other teams we continue to discuss. You want that balance, man. You don't want to be pigeonholed into one category of offensive production. And now when you have J.K. Dobbins, okay, when they say the focus on the running back is to gain more uh, receptions and more passes, why do you think that is, man? Because they have Bateman, because they brought in Sammy, because they have other wide, uh, Hollywood, they have Mark Andrews. You have weapons now that nobody is going to be able to stop consistently with double teams. Who's the easy target that's going to get chunk yards down the field? Mr. J.K. Dobbins, a.k.a. Ray Rice. Oh, wow. Go, going way back. Ooh. A better Ray Rice. A better version of Ray better Rice, version, though. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> nice so, yeah, it. Yeah, way better. And here's the thing with Lamar. When you look back, because I, I see this argument from people a lot, when they feel like Lamar Jackson is being, you know, talked down to, they always want to throw back the 2019 number of the dude threw for 36 touchdowns, not taking that away from whatsoever. But how many pass attempts did he have? Exactly. Only 401. And that's his career high. Where Lamar excels is not being forced to throw the ball 30, 40, 50 times a game. They don't want that. If they're doing that, they're losing. That's just not their game in Baltimore. They want to move the chains on the ground. They want to get down the field. And once they're in the red zone, they want to throw touchdowns like that. Because now inside the red zone, the field is cut way down. You have the read option with Lamar. You have, you know, the the play action Now you have big-bodied targets. I mean, there's just going to be so many things for defenses to worry about inside the 20. I think Lamar, as long as he can get through his progressions quick enough, he's going to have a a heyday as far as touchdowns go. But the the attempts just aren't going to be there, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's what we're trying to say right here is we don't want Lamar Jackson to be Patrick Mahomes. He will never be Patrick Mahomes. He needs to be game manager Lamar Jackson, get him down in there and take a shot every now and again. It's just not going to be a guy that's a volume passer in the nfl and that is okay agreed and it's it's to his detriment so you don't want to do that but no it's like baker mayfield that's why baker mayfield is better right now it's because he's not relied upon he he knows that the running game is king in cleveland he just has to go out there and not turn the ball over and that's why we've seen baker mayfield get better uh efficiency wise in 2020 yeah i see don't screw it up and you will win ball games and give people fantasy points because that's what we care about Moving right along, we have uh, Sean McVay and the coaching staff saying in L.A. that there are no limitations for Cam Akers in how the Rams are using him. Kind of the same topic we're talking about, J.K. Dobbins. So here we go again. His value is a little bit higher. He's, he's at 203 right now uh, for his ADP 12-man leagues. 
uh, half PPR, I should say. And I mean, 203 to me seems about the right spot. I wasn't saying it was too high, too low. It kind of seems right. But the value to return on investment is kind of where I'm taking this one for because I believe with Matthew Stafford, yes, there may be early growing pains because the new system, because it's a new team, chemistry building, etc. But I think Cam Akers, to me right now, is one of these players that's kind of these dark horses to be uh, finishing higher than what we think he's going to do. I, top 10 to me is almost in the ballpark. It's almost a non-question to me. I, I won't say it's not a question because I have concerns about Cam Akers, but it's not so much my concern with Cam Akers. It's like, look what we saw last year. They involve Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson. Malcolm Brown is gone. They still have Daryl Henderson. How much is he really involved? Do we see a split at some point? Yeah, sure. Sean McVay can come out there and say whatever he wants to. But last year, they were singing praises too. And he still, at times, would use all three running backs in a ball game. Even when Cam Akers was going off the second half of the year, we were still seeing, maybe not in bulk, but we were still seeing Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown at times. And when you look at the ADP, there's a few names that are right around Cam Akers that I just feel safer with. I mean, we're talking about only two pick difference almost between him and Nick Chubb right now. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's crazy. Don't you know what I mean? Which is it's just stupid. People insane. need to figure that out, you know, quicker, but I mean, I'll take Nick Chubb, Austin yep. Eckler. I'm very close to having Eckler over Cam Akers too, just for the, the PPR upside and the amount of usage he could see in arguably maybe one of the best offenses we see this year in LA. Joe Mixon is right by him. Joe Mixon is just one of those. I I don't have a lot of hair, Chaus, and I, uh, what I have, I need to protect. I don't need it to be gray. And Joe Mixon could cause some of that, but we, I love the potential of Joe Mixon this year. Najee Harris, Najee Harris is going to have a piss poor offensive line, but he's going to touch the ball 20 times a game. Mm -hmm. So there's just question marks. It's not so much that I'm hating on cam. It's that there's other people out there that I just feel a little bit safer about, I want to believe I want to believe that Matthew that Matthew Stafford could come in here and just open it up way better than Jared Goff ever could and Jared Goff made Todd Gurley into an MVP candidate you know what I mean and that's what what could they do with Matthew Stafford being that they still have Woods and Cup the offensive line in my opinion is way improved I I just don't have the warm fuzzy when I want to click draft like I feel safer drafting a Chubb an Eckler I'm never going to say I feel safe drafting Mixon, but it's just it's closer to mm-hmm. me because how involved is Daryl Henderson? And, and that's and that's an interesting case. I, I get it. And I mean, I owned both these backs. Excuse me. I'm uh, too much drink today, man. That's okay. burping it, it down over there. You know what I'm saying? And, and anyway, so, I mean, you have the potential for this offense to be so multidimensional, multifaceted, and the touches are going to be. I mean, is there enough balls to go around? There's always enough balls to go around. That's it just I'm depends saying. how big they are. Uh, you know, I'm talking about balls tonight. I mean, because it's, fo- <laughs> it's football. But, but I mean, Cam Akers to me, I get it. The warm and fuzzies, it's taken me a while to get to this point. And it's not because this no limitations comment, we all know coach speak. It just gives us something to talk about. But I mean, with Cam Akers, with Matthew Stafford in this offense, I believe Matthew Stafford continues to not get that elite trait that he should get. I think he is that quarterback. He's a tough SOB. He always plays hurt, and that's because he's been destroyed in Detroit. Now you give him a line that can actually protect. Okay, he's always had wide receiver talent, but has he ever had a true running game that can he can rely upon? This is kind of where I'm seeing this LA Rams team, why I'm intrigued with Akers, why I'm kind of pushing him up my board a little bit. I just think the value there is extremely high. And if we're talking about wide receiving options from the backfield, is really Henderson that much better than Akers? I, I, I'm going to say no, because he isn't. And then who else is there to really take the load off? I mean, you, you drafted that kid out well for, you know, I mean, scheming opportunities, jet sweeps and so on. But I mean, that's not going to be your staple of standard. I think Akers really could be this dark horse running back at roughly the right position in, in the second round where, where you're going to cash in and you're going to be pleasantly surprised. Here's a question. Cam Akers or Antonio Gibson? Who are you taking? I'm taking Cam. As of today, I'm taking Cam. Cam Akers or... I mean, I'm going further down the list here. Cam Akers or J.K. Dobbins? We just talked about I'll take Dobbins. I'll take Dobbins. I feel better with Dobbins. I, I feel Dobbins is still safer as well. How about Cam Akers or DeAndre Swift? Oh, I'm going Cam for sure. I can't trust yeah. Detroit. <laughs> I, would, I would have left the show right now had you t- said... Uh, DeAndre Swift, uh, Cam Akers or CEH? I'm still going Cam. 
Okay. I'm still going Cam. I can't. I can't do Ceh either. He's got to show me more. What? Yeah. He's got. Don't show me don't. More. I'm we sorry. Will fight this to. year. Yeah, we will fight this fight. year. We will <laughs> virtually have a fist fight. It's okay. We'll we'll, we'll set up like a Chad Johnson boxing <laughs> match. Like, yeah, man. We need to do this. Even I need to keep I'll, my shirt I'll, on though. I'll, I'll get wrecked though. You need to. You need to like be on your knees or dude, something, man. My reach on you is like ridiculous. <laughs> I could hit you from the corner, dude. <laughs> get punked out of the ring man yeah jameson crowder is making headlines and i mean we've pumped up jameson on this show through headliner nation many times i mean you guys have been up and down i've been a i've been a big supporter of him because he is the ppr machine he is one of these guys you you plug him into your flex if he's healthy and i mean you, you can basically just watch the points roll in right now the new york jets are telling him and i'm not surprised one bit take a pay cut man because you're making too much money he currently has 11.3 million dollars left on this contract one million in dead space uh, uh, if the Jets choose to trade or release him. So, I mean, that is, and, and obviously you see the caveat in the fact that they drafted uh, Elijah Moore, basically same skill set, more electric ability in more than Crowder. Why would they be paying this man $11 million? Even though the coach speak was last week before they said this, Jamison Crowder is going to be heavily involved in this offense. First off, great usage of electability. I didn't even know that was a word. Like, I think you just created it, and it was pretty good. Uh, it may not be a word, but I knew exactly what you were talking about. Thank you. You're right, though. I, I don't – what? Like, it just doesn't make sense. You you drafted Elijah Moore, who is basically a younger Jamison Crowder. What are you going to do? Like, you're not going to run four wide all the time. You're, you're just not. There's a lot of question marks in your backfield. They're coming out and saying, oh, we're going to be very creative with our backfield, and we got to find what roles are best for these guys. I mean, honestly, dude, if, if they if they keep Jamison Crowder and pay all that money, I may have to bring out the same same old Jets. You know what I mean? Because it's just it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. If that's the way they wanted to go, and they believe that Crowder was that big of a part of their offense, they, Moore was a, a stupid pick. If that's what sure. they're doing, you know what I mean? It just doesn't make any sense. With a team that has so many needs, why you know draft a guy? that you already have a need filled up. Like it doesn't make any sense to me. No. I like Jamison Crowder a lot. I, I like Jamison Crowder, his skill set, And I think that he can still play in the NFL and be a great slot guy for someone in the NFL. It, should it be the jets though? I, I don't know. At this point, bring in the youth movement. You got a brand new franchise quarterback in Zach Wilson, bring in the, the youth wide receiver with him, throw more into the slot. You already have the, the younger guy on the outside with the Denzel Mims, Mims Corey yeah. Davis, isn't old, you know what I mean? Can he take a step forward? I mean, they have pieces, you know what I mean? Young pieces, just build the young pieces together. Uh, what are they trying to accomplish here? I, I maybe, maybe this can be filed into the coach speak category because the guy's still under contract and he can't go out there and say, no, we don't want nothing to do with Jamison Crowder. You know what I mean? It just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Get Jamison out of here because he's making too much money. But I mean, that's basically what it is. The writing is on the wall, and I truly will be shocked if he makes it out of training camp as a New York Jet because we know how injuries happen in, in summer, and uh, we can see a team, you know, give up. And I think that's kind of where their bargaining chip is. You know, they're saying, you know, they're, they're throwing the flyers out there by not throwing the flyer out there saying, you know, he's available for trade. Not really, but yes, he is, you know, whatever. Exactly. The Jets, the Jets are the Jets. Sticking with the Jets. I mean, the Jets are overtaking the show lately, man, because, you know, there's lots of talk about and i have to bring this up again you're gonna hate me for it oh god it's <laughs> tevin coleman isn't it good god dude i already, i knew what you were gonna talk about before you even said it you know tevin coleman he's not a thing hold on a, hold on a second this is this is why we do this man because the coaches talk and we have to listen right we have to tevin coleman is in the early stages of winning this job in the backfield <laughs> I think you can't even make it through saying that while laughing is enough for me to just say it is what it is. You know what I mean? I'm trying, man. Is it, is it because Tevin Coleman is head and shoulders above the competition or is it that there is no competition? There is no competition. <laughs> I mean, per, it goes back to the same old jets. Why try to make it work with Tevin Coleman, throw Michael Carter in there and just go complete youth movement on yeah, him. I you know what I mean? It just doesn't make, I don't understand it. Uh, I always thought that Tevin Coleman would be more productive in San Francisco than he ever was going back. And if it's not going to work in San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan, I don't see it working with the jets and not so much a talent issue. How many games do we expect the jets to really be leading to where they're going to be pounding the rock on the ground? Not a whole lot. Right. How, how many care, how many touches is he going to get a week? Eight, 10, 25. I mean, <laughs> probably not 25. I'm not much of a gambling man, but if I was, I would bet the under on that. Yeah, me too. Uh, how many goal line opportunities is he going to have? I just don't see the 
I just don't see it. I mean, I know you want it to <laughs> I'm, be a I'm thing so bad. I'm frustrating the hell out of this man right now. I got to move You want on. it to be a thing so bad. I, I just, I'm just playing. I, I just, I don't, I can't buy into it. You know, what's he's, funny? he's burned me too many times in the past. You know, what's funny. I see the headline with Tevin Coleman. I'm like, oh, we're going to talk about it. That's, it. <laughs> That's all I do, man. We saw Mr. Cam Newton, man. He injures his hand in Cam or in OTAs. Excuse me. It's a bone bruise in his hand. I mean, it's already begun, man. And and people want to say, you know, Cam Newton this and Cam Newton. I liked Cam, okay? Don't get this twisted. I liked Cam a lot. I thought he was a very good product. Even going back to Carolina, Super Bowl and whatever. I mean, he was a good product, man. Especially for fantasy football, his rushing upside. He might have been outside of Michael Vick, the guy you really truly changed fantasy football around when it came to the running quarterback, right? Because he was scoring like a thousand touchdowns a week. Like this is what he was doing. Now he injures his hand, and I mean, you talk about writing on the wall, man. The writing has to be on the wall that this leash is going to be so short for him to be on that bench. And, and I mean, Mac Jones, Mac Jones. Mac Jones. Mac Jones. (laughs) I don't – yeah, I mean, the writing's on the wall. Yeah. Do I still have this, like, thought in the back of my head that Jarrett Stidham gets a shot again before Mac Jones? Possibly. Like, I still don't know if I can – not – it depends when it happens, right? If it's early in the year, I can see him going to Stidham first before Jones. If it's later in the season and Jones has some time to absorb this system and, and really get in, in tune with it, then, yeah, maybe they go that way, especially if they're out of contention at that point. But Cam Newton, I hate to see it because, I mean, being in Carolina, I wasn't like a huge Cam fan, but he was somebody that was always good for football. When Cam was doing good, the game was fun to watch, mm-hmm. right? But he is very, very, very much a mental quarterback. And if the success isn't on the field, he turns into like a crybaby and immediately the level of play goes down. I can see an injuries, even though it may be minor and small, stuff like this is what gets to him, right? It's like it, it he's not the type of person that's gonna be like, oh, it's no big deal. I'm still the man here. I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna go out and handle business. No, he starts questioning himself and doubting himself. And then he goes out, if he doesn't have a great practice or a great throwing session, then uh, just straight downhill. Like it just, the attitude just tanks so quick with Cam Newton. And I think that's the bigger hurdle than anything else that he deals with as of right now. Because if Cam Newton would, you know, accept the fact that he's not a deep ball passer anymore, if he would accept the fact that, hey, my sweet spot is 20 yards, we got to divide, we got to design things within this 20 yard bubble. Cam Newton could probably still pick you apart. Yep. But it's the, it's the mentality that he still thinks that he's Superman and he can go out there and do things that he just can't anymore. Uh, I don't think the Patriots are going to be worth two craps this year, no matter who plays quarterback for him. Uh, I really don't care who it is. It's it's going to be a struggle in New England, but that's okay. Robert Kraft just got a new Bentley from Jay-Z, so yes, whatever. I saw that, man. That was a nice present, man. He could barely yeah. walk these days. You it's a very it? happy ending, if you know what I mean. Yes, it was. Very happy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a low blow, man. That's right. Oh, But not towards you. It's towards the Patriots, so it's I all good. I understand. Right? It's good. That's I right. like it, man. You know, you want to take shots and fire over there? You go and do that, man. Shots my drink are- my drink is sweating, and my shorts are great. It looks like I totally pissed my pants right now. <laughs> Uh, speaking of injured groins, um, Curtis Samuel, man, he finds himself in the medical room after practice because he, or he pulls his groin. And here's the thing. I've been a supporter of the man called him enough to say he is basically a Percy Harvin, etc. Injuries. Okay. Yes. His, I looked back and I'm like, you know, he feels like he's always injured. He feels like it's all the time. You know, he's got like a timeshare in the, in the freaking medical room. And I looked back and I'm like, okay, well, that argument doesn't pan out because he's played almost all his games except for his rookie season. And I'm like, okay, but still, it feels like he's one of these things, you know, he'll play a little bit and then he's exits with an injury. He play and exits with an injury. And this is kind of what he does. So now again, you got a soft tissue injury on a guy who relies on his wheels and his speed. And, and I mean, that is the thing everyone needs to realize when you see a guy with this much talent and speed, you always have to account for the soft tissue because hamstrings go, man. Look at Deshaun Jackson. His hamstrings are done because wheels was his game. How worried are we about Mr. Curtis Samuel for the full 16 games? And I mean, does this lift Mr. Cam Sims and Diami? Because there's some talent here, man. They have so much young talent at the wide receiver position in Washington, like a lot. I mean, you, you mentioned Diami Brown. I mean, he's somebody who, I mean, could he really come in and have a role? I mean, he quite honestly, he really could. Mm -hmm. We still see other guys there, like even Antonio Gandy golden, 
I mean, is this guy going to get a chance? You know, there's there's so many options there. And Curtis Samuel, I don't think is should be anybody in fantasy football that you draft on draft day and feel like you can rely on him weekly. He's a, a guy that you stash on your bench that in good matchups, when he's healthy, you can throw him in as a flex play. I don't want to draft him and have to rely on him. Even if I'm in a three wide receiver league, I don't want Curtis Samuel to be my number three guy. I want him to be on the bench. And his ADP is still fairly low and, and allowing for that. So I don't I don't hate that whatsoever. But it, what it really does, it just makes me love Terry McLaurin that much more. You know, like that's what it really comes down to is, is Curtis Samuel is still going to be there, whether he's there for all 17 games, that's a question. But when he's on the field, I think it still helps Terry McLaurin because it takes a little bit of defensive attention away. When he's not on the field, it helps Terry McLaurin because there's less, there's more targets to go his way. All arrows point to Terry McLaurin. And mm. even though they have all that young talent, he's still the alpha in that offense. And if they can get Antonio Gibson more involved out of the backfield and really open up the full offense, <laughs> it could be a lot of fun in Washington because Fitz Magic, he is the man. He is the man. Did you? I see hope his... he never retires. I hope he's sixty with a gray beard, yeah. flinging it still. He is I, amazing. I love this man. He he has the sign like the kindergartners. Go I saw that. Amazing. That? <laughs> amazing. I'm. Three... Who's his friends? Terry and Curtis. <laughs> that was amazing. He, he's the best man. And I mean, this offense, this team in general. Okay, it's very hard to root for Washington because of all their problems and what they do. But when you just break it down to this roster. Overall, just how they're building this roster. They are legit a franchise passer away from being a true contender in the mm-hmm. NFC. Legit. And, mm-hmm. I, and I have no problem saying that. People can say you're crazy. I don't care. Because that defense is, is elite, and it's going to show it again. With Fitzmagic, like you're saying, with Curtis Samuel, you know, okay, fine. If he's, I don't know, let's just say argument's sake, 14 games he plays that's still enough and then cam sims he's been impressing but i am a diami guy i mean he has some things he's got to clean up as well i uh, uh scouting report going on headliner you wink wink but i mean you know he has a potential steven sims okay he's kind of you know the lesser on the scale gandy golden like you mentioned there is talent here and a guy like fitz magic will bring it all to fruition because this is what he does well mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's He's going to throw interceptions. We all know that. It's going to happen. It's going to be a part of it, and that's okay because we play fantasy football, not real-life football. And even though he throws interceptions, that just means he's got to throw it more throughout the game. So it is what it is. The problem that I see with Washington going forward is I expect them to be pretty good and to win that division again, honestly. And if that's the case, they're not getting these early draft picks to, to draft franchise quarterbacks. They're going to have to make trades somewhere. They're going to have to move up at some point. Because I think they're I think they're going to be too good. I mean, and that's I guess it's a good problem to have, uh, but I I just don't see them finishing in that bottom five of the NFL to go out there and get a franchise quarterback here in the next year or two. Uh, but hey, I, I'm all along for it. Fitz Magic may just be a a bridge quarterback for the next year year or so. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. I mean, maybe maybe that's the way that Washington gets that pick. I I do think that if Fitz Magic goes down this year for any length of time. That's going to hurt this this team as a whole. Maybe that's their their opening to get a franchise quarterback. Who knows? But I want to I want to see him up and I want to see him slinging it. And potentially, I, I like it. I like it too. But maybe potentially Matt Ryan becomes a Washington football. Oh, I don't hate that. Interesting, right? I don't I don't hate that. I mean, talk about tying it all together, Chow Sweetie. You just took the initial topic of the show that was 50 minutes ago Boom. and tied it into the. I mean, bravo, my friend. That's a home bloody run. Uh, it's like is you what we call it. Yeah, man, you see, (laughs) it's a grand slam, man. This is what we do. You know, we'll touch on this one very quickly because Jake Butt, I mean, we've been been talking about balls and, and, you know, meat, and now we got to talk about Jake Butt. He is working out for your Cardinals as we speak. And I mean, is there value in this man? Do you have any value for him? I only bring him up because he was highly regarded. Yes, he was what a third, fourth rounder in uh, with the Denver Broncos. But I mean, he had skill. It was the injury that killed him, the ACL. Do you believe he gets a shot in Arizona? Because I mean, I think he would be an upgrade. Initial reaction is nope. Uh, (laughs) As I sit back and I look at it. It makes sense. I mean, even Dan Arnold was a thing at certain times in Arizona. Dan Arnold came down with some big catches. He was never somebody you could rely upon. The issue is, is this offense just has so many options. You got DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, Rondell Moore, 
Andy Isabella. We know that, you know, Chase Edmonds and James Conner in the backfield. There's just, I mean, how many more people can they add to this to make them successful? Now, sure, if Jake Butt signs with the Cardinals, he's going to make a big play now and again when he finds the field. But, uh, I mean, who's really been an impact tight end in Arizona like ever? I'm from there, and I can't, I can't tell you any of them. Grisham. Okay, really, an impact tight end? I mean, are we serious here? <laughs> like, we're we're definitely not. I'm I'm scraping the bottom I, of the bit. I know, and that's the whole thing. Is it's just it's just even though it's a different coaching staff over the year, tight end has just never been a thing in Arizona. Uh, if it is, they're they're a great blocking tight end, and they keep them on the line to try to protect Kyler Murray a little bit more. Uh, but that's it. I I don't see. I don't care who it is. Anybody they can sign at the tight end position, I don't see them being a weekly factor. They will have a big play now and again, but not somebody who's a focal point of an offense or somebody that you can rely on in fantasy football. And I like it. And I won't I won't touch on that anymore because it is Jake Butt. New new segment, baby. This Uh is what we do here on on Straight Chub. It is called the listener mailbag. All you listeners, if you're listening. Dipping in the mailbag, are you? Dipping in the mailbag. If you want, if you're listening, you want your opportunity to have your questions answered. Drop me a DM on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Chris underscore F H one. Drop in there with a heading of mailbag and drop your question, and you may be chosen on Straight Chub, and we will answer your questions that you may have. Hopefully, that sounds good to you guys. Listener question of the week, man, Scott Smith. Thank you for the question, sir. How do you value? fab money in a trade and i was like oh that's kind of a loaded question because there isn't no necessarily like a manual that you can Mm -hmm. suggest on trading so i'll just i'll I'll dive into this one first before i let you respond jake for me it's it's valuing fab money is more about uh the free agent market than it is in trades i understand why people will make those trades but i'm valuing my money as very high end commodities right off the bat because these are this is the only opportunity you have to build your team if you play in a in a waiver wire that is with fab money right to get a player in a trade of value this is all you're doing is giving money to the other individual to tip the scales to get them to give you the high end talent. Hundred percent agree with that. I, I think you. I I kind of have to cap it at a certain point. Like fifteen percent of my fab budget is like the max I would ever go. So if you got a hundred dollar budget for the year, fifteen bucks is the most I would put into it. And but really, the only way that I'm doing that is like last case scenario. You know, hey, I, I don't have a choice. Like, I gotta, I gotta have this piece. I, I'm wrecked with injuries. I gotta do whatever I can to get something back. Or, on the on the flip side of that, you wait till mid season or so, and there's somebody in every single league. They will blow mm. through their fab in like six weeks and have zero. <laughs> I have found it very successful at times where I can go find me some solid bench stashes that I know have some great second half schedules, and I'll send a guy off my bench and some fab money into them. It's like gold, right? It's like Bitcoin when Bitcoin was 60 grand, not the 30 grand Bitcoin, like the 60 grand Bitcoin. Yeah. Like they just look at it and they start drooling because they want the fab budget because that opens them up for potential down the road, right? Mm-hmm. Because maybe they'll have a need in a week or two. Now they can actually fill it. So it all just depends. I'm not out there just flinging it and making it rain everywhere with my fab budget, but I will use it from time to time if I have to. And I will more than likely try to take advantage of other people who blow through theirs early in the season see of like minds i was just gonna Mm -hmm. say i had that point down i was like you know take advantage of these people in your league damn it only take advantage of them you know we're all managers of teams this ain't no this ain't show friends man this is show business man something like that you you know you gotta be good in the business that's right i'm gonna win at the end of the day Uh, whatever it takes i'm winning and i'm winning i'll I'll beat beat your grandma this is this is what we do here dang it's not, like, not literally beat her. I just mean, figuratively beat her up. Figuratively. <laughs> I'm making mistakes all over here, man. This is what it is. But thank you, sir, for the question. I mean, I'm always starting low. I mean, this is the other thing. Don't don't go there and offer high. I, you know what bugs me the most? It's almost going to be one of those uh, uh, grievance moments, man, because it really pisses me File off. File it. 
You know, it's it's, it's coming, man. The, the fire is burning, and it's yeah, like it pisses me off. You you DM me, and you say, "What do you want for this, man?" I say this, and you exit, and that's it. There's no negotiating. You don't exit. You 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 start talking. This is dialogue back and <laughs> forth. Don't just leave. Oh well, that's too much for me, and I'm out. No, get the hell out of here. Then don't come in my DMs ever again because I won't let you back. Ever. I mean. I, I hate that. And I, it's in all facets of life. Like everybody wants to say, hey, well, what, what do you want for this? Well, I don't know. What do you want to give me? It's like, you came to me. You tell me what you're willing to give up for this person. Like mm. I, I understand. Well, here's total disclosure. I, I'm sorry. I don't have a whole lot of time to go back and forth on trades. Like you, we're going to, it's going to be wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Like it's going to happen or it ain't going to happen. Like I don't have time to sit back and negotiate and stroke egos. See, you're part of the problem. <laughs> for me, you're part, you're but i will at least tell you though okay i will come enough. at you and say hey i'm offering this person and this person for this person are you interested or no okay. if you come back and say nope i have no interest all right cool i'm interested in your guy if you see anybody on my roster you like let me know okay. conversation over and i don't you know what i mean that. at least you just didn't just leave and <laughs> right. that's the problem yeah and that's the whole thing is I, I don't sit there and go back and forth and back and forth honestly if i'm stuck into a, a trade negotiation that's going back and forth i'll probably just bow out you know i'll probably just say all right man i appreciate it no worries i'm out because i don't i don't have time for that honestly in my opinion i'm going to do the best that i can on my draft so that i don't have to worry about trades later i don't trade a whole lot in any league that i'm in unless i'm suffering from injuries like that is the only time i ever trade that's it because more times than not a lot of trades are because people are overthinking things and you end up trading away a piece that is probably more needed on your roster than what you went out and got I love it. And and don't make trades just because you feel just because. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. You're bored. Hey, man, it's a Wednesday. I'm bored. Let's make a trade. Like, what is that? No, there was just a trade in our in our dynasty league today. Actually, it was one that just happened while we we're here. It was people it was- out there trading, making rosters better. And you and I are working for the business. You know, this is some BS, man. I want I want I don't even know what I want at this point. <laughs> <Damn it. laughs> let's close. Let's close this one out on redraft. Who do you want more? And it's, it's quick. It's, you know, it's fun because this is what we do. And people need to understand what we love. Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen? Patrick Mahomes. You get the hell out of here. I don't <laughs> like you. <laughs> oh, man. Dak Prescott or Herbert? Herbert. Yes. We are friends again. I like Dak. I, I like Dak. But if I'm going to choose between two guys, I'll take the guy not coming off major injury. Yeah, I like it too. I, I'm I'm too big of a fan of Herbert in this Charger mm-hmm. offense that even though Dak might put up 5,000 yards, I'm still safe and comfortable with Herbert. I know your answer to this because you said it to me already, but Henry or Saquon? <laughs> it's Henry. Yeah, Henry it's... Henry over almost everybody now. I, I got you. I got you. Acres or Mixon? This is so funny that this. Oh, is wow. it's like we it's like we knew this was coming. <laughs> Crystal balls. That's right. I mean, I, I'll I think I answered it this way before. I I don't feel the warm fuzzy on either one of them. I think that Mixon is safer to know what his volume will be. Mm. If I want to play it a little bit safer, I go with Acres. If I want to gamble for the higher upside, I go with Mixon. I got you. I'm, I'm still going Acres here, even though I do like Mixon so much. And it might be actually, you know, you're you're almost convincing me. Like as I just said that, it's it's almost like it it, it starts to manifest a little bit. Well, you like, know what the problem is is. How many times have we seen over the past few years that Sean McVay just tries to get too cute? Yeah, okay. It's yeah. like the offense, he tries to overthink it so much. Mm-hmm. Like, you get what works and roll with it. He's like, he tries to reinvent every week, and it just worries me. And if, if Mixon can stay upright for the whole season, I mean, yeah, I'm in on that one, too. That's a tough one now for me. Mm-hmm. Diggs or Hopkins? Mm. So you, you took one of your guys who's better than See? the guy that is on my team. Exactly. Um, I'll probably still, I'll probably have to lean Diggs still. This, this is the good answers that I like to see. I got to, I got to, I got to put my bias aside. Two points for you, Keenan, <laughs> Keenan Allen or Scary Terry. Oh, I know you got, you got a soft spot for both these men. Oh boy. I, I love Terry McLaurin, but I'm probably going to go Keenan Allen. Wow. I didn't expect that. I, I, I love it, but Keenan Allen could literally soak up 125 receptions this year, not oh, targets, yeah. receptions. And that's it's huge. It's true. I, it's true. I, I, I it's such a tough one, and I would literally be sweating if I had to make this choice. Mm-hmm. But it's probably Terry for me. Yeah. Godwin or Bobby Trees? Whew. Probably Godwin still. I mean, Ooh. I think Godwin still has the higher ceiling. Ooh. I love Bobby Trees, though. If he's if this is my wide receiver one, I'm going to gamble a little bit and go with Godwin. If it's my wide receiver two, 
I'll play it safer and go with, with Bobby Trees. Okay, it I all like depends it. because right now I just got in, in our mock draft video this week, I got uh, Godwin in the fourth. Like, I'll take that for all day long. Absolutely. I'm for, absolutely. 100%. I will take Godwin in the fourth. Woods was there at the time, but I just couldn't pass on Godwin at that point. It is uh, the upside, though. I mean, you see, it was funny. It's like I saw a static. I wish I had it. I, it. You guys would have loved it. It was like he was beating out all Woods was. He was mm-hmm. beating out all the top wide receivers since like 2018, since he left Buffalo. He's been just crippling all the wide receivers statistically. Mm-hmm. Just been unbelievable. But that is it, man. That is number 50 episodes for Straight Chubb. We really appreciate all the support. Jake, you, Jake thank you, sir. Hey, I know. I, I love to do this. I, I like the new segment. So you put me on the spot. We realize how in, in tune our brains are because we're talking about things an hour ago that then ended up coming to, I mean, this is like, this is next level stuff. We're almost, we're almost too connected. It is. It's one mind. This is what happens when we talk too much, man. It, it gels and becomes one. That's right. Yeah, real quick, though, before we get out of here, I want to take a quick second here, Chris, and I want to make sure I shout out our, our partners here for the year at Fantrax.com. I mean, Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, hands down, right now, offering the greatest fantasy experience for you, uh, for your dynasty keeper, redraft, best ball leagues, whatever it is you play, they have you covered. And we want to make sure we get you guys in a position to really come in and play with us this year. We're going to have some best ball challenges with some cash prizes coming up here in the coming weeks, but you can set up your account now and it's 100% free. So head over to fantracks.com slash headliners, sign up for that free account, and then stay tuned to our Twitters, to our YouTubes, the, the community tabs on YouTube, all over the place. We're going to be posting links for these upcoming best ball challenges totally looking forward to that but make sure you head over there and sign up for that account right now fantrax.com slash headliners i love it we'll close this one out man so on that note that is the show thanks so much for tuning in you can find me on twitter at chris underscore fh1 you can find jake on twitter at fntsy headliners to all the listeners thank you for all the support on on behalf of jake thanks again for listening till next time stay safe and be kind to each other i'm out 